McShane Bible Study Day 194, and we're doing Joshua 18 and 19 to begin. It's kind of interesting that so uh, 18 is giving the land to Benjamin. Well, so first of all, the uh, tribes on the east side of the Jordan are settled, and then you've got uh, Caleb's tribe of Judah is settled and you see him go and attack the land we know the same sort of attitude that he had 40 years earlier when he wanted to take the promised land that the lord had promised him and you see that the people of joseph are established in their land which is joshua's people and it's not quite clear at the beginning that they had a similar kind of gumption to go and get it. It's just kind of given to them. However, then one of them says, hey, this isn't enough land for us. And Joshua says, well, then go and take it. Well, then in these two chapters, we see Joshua saying, when are you people going to take your land? <laughs> They're just kind of sitting around waiting. And so he has them... Uh, bring three spies per tribe and go out and scout the land and then they cast lots for it and so that's how the rest of the land is settled and it gives a lot of details that would you know i'm not going to read it's kind of hard to read this sort of thing when most of them are words and places that we don't know but but there's little nuggets uh every once in a while that are really interesting one of the things that popped out to me is that some of this stuff just doesn't make sense. Like having Asher on your south, but Judah on your east. Well, that's not possible unless there's another Judah. And uh, there was another one that had a Bethlehem. That can't be the Bethlehem. It must be a different Bethlehem. I don't know. And th there's occasionally little stories in between, but we'll move on. And we, Then we do Psalm 149 and 150. And... Uh, 150 is just all about praising the Lord, which 149 is, of course, a lot about that too. But I like these two verses, 4 and 5. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He adorns the humble with salvation. Let the godly exalt in glory. Let them sing for joy on their beds. So this is similar. Jesus' Sermon on the Mount talks about the blessing for the humble. We know Moses, in order to be the person that... Um, could lead the people out of Israel. God spent 40 years in the wilderness training him with all humility so that he was the most humble man that lived. And the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He adorns the humble with salvation. Let the godly exult in glory. Let them sing for joy on their beds. In Jeremiah 9, he starts talking about all the ways that his people are treacherous, that they claim to be his people but they don't treat each other well that they lie that they're they're not loving and putting each other before themselves um, and so then there's weeping and wailing for the judgment that comes on and 13 says and the lord says because they have forsaken my law that i set before them and have not obeyed my voice or walked in accord with it but have stubbornly followed their own hearts so they've gone their own way. He said, this judgment has to come upon them because they've gone their own way. 23 says, thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. 
Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. So he's saying, what, what should we boast in? What should our life be about? These are things people in the world get, get very puffed up about, right? But he says, none of that's worth boasting about. 24, but let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I do delight, declares the Lord. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will punish all those who are circumcised merely in the flesh. In other words, those who live just according to religion, he says, will be punished. But those who live according to my way will be blessed. And we finish up in Matthew 23. And so Jesus is speaking to the crowd and to his disciples. And he says, the scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. So do and observe whatever they tell you, but not the works that they do. For they preach, but do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on people's shoulders. But they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. They do all their deeds to be seen by others, for they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long, and they love the place of honor at feasts and the best seats in synagogues. So he's saying they the, these ones that instill religion on others, he's saying they they don't have my heart, they don't have my way. That's not to say that everything they say is wrong. A lot he says yeah, when they're when they're teaching the the law to you, the these ways, well, do those things, but don't pattern yourself after them, because they don't actually have the life. They just know certain principles, and they got those principles from Moses, and so those principles are good, but they are simply burdening you by trying to press on the points of the law as if those certain do's and don'ts bring righteousness rather than a heart that is guided by those into a life of righteousness. 10 says, neither be called instructors for you have one instructor, the Christ. So he'd just been called about, you know, not being called rabbi, not being called father, not being called instructors or teachers. And his point is that any who are Fathers in the spirit, instructors, teachers, uh, that their whole point should be to instruct and teach and raise one up to actually know the Lord and be taught by the Lord. <laughs> Why are you wandering around? So that they are raised up in Christ and free to learn the life directly from Christ. This is not to say that we are not in, in family and that we do not have leaders. Obviously, Jesus was leading them and he was set, establishing them to lead others. So there is that. But the whole point of leadership is that we help others to come to know the Lord very directly and to receive directly from the Lord, right? The greatest among you shall be your servant. That's kind of his point there. 12. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Well, we just talked about that, right? And so he says, in order to come into this life, we must be humble. As, as the psalmist said, we must truly be humbled. And the Lord, 
will take it upon himself to humble us if we need it, which we often do. 13. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces, for you neither enter yourself nor allow those who would enter to go in. So this is a warning against religious teaching of people who actually don't have the life and preach and teach a way where others aren't coming into this life. And then I... Going down to 24, you blind guides straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. So again, he's talking about when our focus is on a list of do's and don'ts. It's not that the do's and don'ts aren't correct. It's that our focus is not on the life. It's on the do's and don'ts. And he says, that's like straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. 26, you blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate that the outside also may be clean. So he says there's an internal work that must happen. We internally must be transformed by the Lord. And then the, the external flows out of that. 27, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs with outwardly... Uh, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. So again, he's, he's, he said multiple times, I didn't read them all, but it's not about appearances. It's about who you truly are before the Lord. The Lord is not deceived by the airs that we put on, the outward appearance that we try to project. 30. If we, he's, well, I'll start at 29. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you build the tombs of the prophets and decorate the monuments of the righteous, saying, and this is common today. Again, I, I just talked about this, was it yesterday or the day before? This is the heart of man. We always think, oh yeah, those in the past did wrong, but we now have the favor of the Lord and we wouldn't do these things. That's always over and over and over again. That's been the heart of man. And Jesus is pointing this out, saying, if we had lived in the days of our fathers, we would not have taken part with them in shedding the blood of the prophets. Thus you witness against yourselves that you are sons of those who murdered the prophets. So he's saying, look, I am here. God is pointing to my being here. All the prophets pointed towards the life of Christ. And here I am, but you're missing it. Because you're caught up in your own ways and your own understanding. And then he, you know, he kind of ends it just lamenting over, over Jerusalem. He's got the heart of the Father here. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you are not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate. So it's, uh, that, the heart of God is that everyone be brought in but he never makes us. We have to choose him. He won't force us to go his way. We have to choose him. And so he says, look, if you don't choose me, I will pull out a remnant and we will start over with that remnant, which is exactly what he did with his disciples, right? Well, that's all I have for today. Do you have anything? God bless you. The Lord bless you.